Hello, my name's Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, I have a guest presenter with me, so apologies to the Tom fan club and lovers of the A380, because we're probably not going to talk about that. With me today is Derek Nseko, founder and CEO of Airspace Africa, an aviation news publication with a focus on the African continent. He is also the founder of an incredible STEM education program called iFly, which we'll hear a bit more about during the show. As well as that, we're going to chat about what happened at Aviadev Africa and some of our highlights from the event. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. Derek, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, big fan <laughs> of, the, of the channel, big fan of the website. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm very thrilled to be here today. Chat to you. Looking forward I'm to it. Absolutely thrilled to have you. And uh, we had a really good time in Cape Town. It was such an excellent event. Um, we kind of touched on it last week on the podcast, but mm. I really wanted to dive into some of my highlights from the event today. Um, so if you don't know Aviadev Africa, it's a route development conference. Um, so there are some conference panels and then there's also lots of um, kind of private meetings between airlines and airports um, to talk about potential new routes. And of course, this is something that's really important for Africa. So I spoke to John, who organises the event and got some headline figures um, kind of feeding back from the event. So in total, they had 290 attendees, which is significantly more than when it last ran in 2019, they had 210 that year. Um, amongst those attendees were 32 airlines and 50 airports representing 12 African countries. Um, there were 600 formal meetings between airlines and airports and probably thousands of informal meetings. I mean, Derek, yeah. you know, yeah. you and I were just kind of grabbing people and chatting to them as and when we could. Yeah. So it was amazing. It was like speed dating. All happy to it be was... back. All happy to see everyone else reconnecting with everyone. It was good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, also worth mentioning is um, we did get up very early the morning after a, an evening with a lot of wine to do a charity run um, around uh, the area of Cape Town where we were staying. And from that run, we raised $7,000, which is enough to support 200 learners who are affected by poverty with nutritious meals for a whole year. So these are kids that are in school who don't, who the families don't have enough money to feed them. Um, and as John said, said to me, you can't teach a hungry child. So over 80 people took part in the run and the uh, event sponsors kindly donated that money. So 200 kids are not going hungry for the next year, which is amazing, I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's I actually think it's a really important part of the event, uh, the, the community outreach part and, and the run, uh, which just shows that Aviadev is actually embedded in the community. Uh, for me, Aviadev is more than a conference because of all these other little so-called sideshows that happen, but they are so, so important, you know, and, and they have such a lasting effect. So it's beautiful to be able to go out there and just contribute to the community as well. I absolutely agree because you are an Aviadev ambassador as well, aren't you? And I think you were supporting the GFPA with some outreach yes. work on the Wednesday. Do you want to just tell me a little yeah, bit about yeah. what that was? Yeah, so GFPA is actually such an amazing uh, organisation run by my good friend Rafila Ledwaba. Uh, I think uh, if uh, if you're into 
uh, community outreach and bringing through the next generation really have to check them out. So what we did is on day one of AviaDev, uh, we, and this is cultural for, for AviaDev as well. So we tend to go and do something uh, from a community outreach point of view, but uh, in, from aviation terms. So last, for example, last year, we went to a school in Cape Town in one of the, 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 the poorer communities in Cape Town and engaged with, with kids. Uh, they, they made little aeroplanes. They, we had so many amazing inspirational talks. So this year, uh, what Rafilwe does is she's got these camps that uh, she does throughout the year. And her organization is, is focused on girls. It's focused on empowering young girls into the industry and, and also through STEM education and the like. Uh, so uh, it was it was it was a great coincidence that her, her camp was actually happening. It's a girls' camp, so the girls actually go on location uh, somewhere, and they spend about five days engaging, doing all sorts of fun activity, but being inspired and empowered. So we were lucky uh, to go on the final day of the of, of the camp, uh, which uh, uh, so we all went. Uh, a select group of, of of delegates went down to the camp uh, to engage with the kids, with these girls. Uh, we, we all had like uh, projects that we got involved with. So we all joined groups of girls and we helped them with their projects. Very, very innovative and amazing projects that they were doing. We had a nice lunch, conversations with all these uh, young people, you know, try and inspire them, give them words of encouragement. Uh, it was amazing, to be honest. That's fantastic. And I think it's quite right what you say, you know, that AviaDev is very much about aviation and, you know, developing it, but it's also about supporting the communities. And I think that's a really key part of the event. So um, I did have the pleasure of moderating one of the panels um, on the at the event. And I kind of felt like I'd been thrown to the lions a little bit because I had all three of the major airplane manufacturers and one of the world's biggest engine manufacturers, Rolls-Royce, on the panel with me. Um, just to say as well, um, if you guys are interested in watching the panels from AviaDev, the organisers have kindly made everything available um, freely on their YouTube channel. So just go to YouTube and search AviaDev and you can watch the replays of the session um they also have a podcast where all the audio from all the sessions at the conference were aired so you know if you're interested in african aviation there's nowhere better to get this information um but i wanted to just start by reflecting a little bit on um, how my panel went, um, apart from being completely terrifying. But uh, to put it in context, um, you know, I think all three manufacturers really see the opportunity in Africa. Um, in terms of their published market outlooks, Boeing and Airbus have both said round about a thousand new planes are going to be needed in Africa by 2040. And obviously, a large proportion of those will be on the narrow body side. Um, Embraer, I think, are forecasting about 280 planes in the sub 150 seat market. Um, and of course, they've also got the new turboprop coming. Um, they haven't done a proper analysis of the demand for that yet. But I see that being, you know, an, an airplane with a key role for regional operations in Africa. Um, Historically, Africa has had a very old fleet of aircraft. Um, Hussein from Embraer described it as a dumping ground, um, maybe fairly or unfairly, but that is slowly changing. Um, we are seeing airlines ordering and leasing new aircraft. There's still a lot to do and there are a lot of challenges to overcome. Um, so while we did discuss the challenges, I'll come to that in a moment. My, my biggest topic, of course, was to talk about planes. And that's kind of what I do. Um, so the first question I asked on my panel 
panel was actually to the audience and I asked which plane is right for Africa. I gave them the options of the Airbus A220, the Embraer E2, the Boeing 737 MAX or maybe something else. Um, I did say at the time that I wouldn't reveal how people voted, but Derek, how did you vote? <laughs> oh my goodness. And uh, funny enough, I, I decided to opt out of the voting, so I'm sorry oh. to disappoint the listeners. <laughs> Not playing the game. <laughs> but yeah, but but listen, I I, I, I do have a, a bit of a blanket answer. I, I, I don't think it's a, a specific aircraft for Africa. And uh, as I said, even in my round, round table discussion, there has to be uh, the solution is a combination of aircraft. But what we all know, even from the market outlooks, from all the OEMs, Boeing, Airbus, Embraer, uh, Boeing says that 70% uh, of the aircraft that will be required in the African continent between now and 2040, there will be narrow-body aircraft. And Airbus agrees with them. Embraer does agree with them as well. So we know uh, that it is a narrow-body market that is important to drive African aviation forward. So uh, you can pick and choose between uh, which specific narrow body that you want. I don't know uh, what what you would have chosen if you had to participate in the panel. Do you want to tell us? <laughs> uh, I kind of don't. <laughs> I think um, I think you know people refer to Africa like it's one country. You know, like it's one place. But actually, you know, it's such a huge continent with so many different requirements. And you know, I think. Generally, over the course of the panel, that was the, the impression I was getting from the OEMs is there is no one size fits all solution. You know, some airlines will be better with an E2 or a, a smaller jet. Um, others might be, you know, looking to something a bit bigger, but it all depends. You know, it's got to be the right solution for the right time and for the markets they're planning to fly. Um, to feed back on that audience vote, we kind of saw the E2 and the A220 vying for the top spot, um, I guess because they're smaller. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did feel it was a bit unfair for Boeing to be at the bottom um, because they do have a great product in the 737 Listen, Bo Boeing still does boost the, the, the biggest uh, part of the of the African aviation fleet. So, uh, that, that, as, as Kuljit actually said, they actually have a strong base to build from. Exactly. And I think he mentioned kind of fleet commonality. You know, I think that yes, will be a big yeah. part in airlines decisions. It's much easier to renew an old 737 classic or next generation fleet with the max than it would be to induct something completely new. So, you know, I think all three have a really good future on the continent. Um, and I think, you know, this popularity we see of the smaller airplanes is it's kind of a reflection of the massive opportunity for intra-regional flying. Um you know, the the I, I can't remember the exact figures off the top of my head, but I know there's um, massive gaps in the networks actually between African countries. You know, there's a lot of foreign flying going on. There's lots of connections to the Middle East, to Turkey, to Europe, but there's not very much going on between countries. And that seems yeah. almost crazy. Yeah. The fact is, Africa is very poorly connected. Intra-Africa connectivity is extremely poor, but there is a myriad factors that uh, are leading to that. And we need to address uh, the underlying issues uh, that are, are supporting that, that very terrible narrative. Uh, for one, uh, visa openness is an issue. Uh, I can tell you, Joanna, coming to that conference, uh, the majority of people who came uh, from overseas, from Europe or wherever, uh, more, none of them had an issue with visas. But there's a lot of people from the African continent who actually had to struggle to get their visas. There's people who missed this conference in Africa uh, because they could not 
get that visa. So I think we need to stop uh, looking at each other uh, as Africans with that suspicious side eye and, 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 and get the visas, you know. Uh, we need to inc increase, uh, we need to open up, you know, our borders and allow free movement of people uh, across our countries. You know, that is extremely important. Uh, and now uh, some of the key enablers, uh, uh, and this is the encouraging bit, is that we have the African continental free trade area, which is going to be the largest trading block in the world. Uh, and that is coming alive now. So that will be one of the enablers uh, for, 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 for Africa, uh, intra-Africa connectivity. Yeah, but all these other things have to be addressed. And there's the whole big issue of, of the single African air transport market that we've been talking about for I don't know how many years, I'm as old as this discussion, you know. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so we need, we really need uh, uh, to address uh, the issue of market access, uh, which, uh, which, 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 which uh, certain addresses need to liberalise the transport sector on the continent. And then uh, those, this, that is really how we can we can achieve the, the full potential of the market. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the visa is a big issue that you've mentioned. Um, someone on my panel said, you know, it could cost you $150 to get from one country to another. And that's on top of the price of the tickets. And actually, because of the taxes that are imposed, the cost of flying in Africa is much higher. It's like 40% higher than it costs to fly in Europe. And yet the mean income of people in Africa is significantly lower than we, we have in Europe. You know, you can fly around Europe for the cost of a few beers at the pub, which seems ridiculous. Um, you know, when Africa can clearly build itself up and build its economies up if it gets rid of some of these charges. So there's absolutely a role for governments to play there. And, it's, you know, we'll, we'll come back to, yeah, we'll come back to that in a second. Um, but I also wanted to talk about like why we have seen African airlines fail in the past. Um, you know, I think a lot of startups have come into the market and almost wanted to become Emirates or Turkish Airlines overnight. And of course, that's just not possible. Um, but then we've seen some super little airlines starting up and, and growing. For example, I think Africa World Airways in Ghana is one that's often cited as doing it right. Um, SAA hasn't done it right in the past, maybe, but, um, you know, they're now focused, as I discussed on last week's podcast, on a much more cautious but deliberate, deliberate rebuilding. So hopefully there'll be a success. I mean, from where you're sitting, do you see a step change in the way African airlines are behaving or a turnaround in some of the older airlines that's going to let them be better in the future? Yeah, and uh, it's a good thing that you mentioned SAA. And uh, one of the panels uh, at, uh, at the conference really centered on, uh, on airline partnerships. And uh, SAA uh, was represented by Simon Newton Smith, the, the chief commercial. And uh, uh, the reason this was really one of the more important panels is because this has really become a thing. It's more than a trend. So uh, I. Uh, if, to answer your question, there is a, a little bit of a step change uh, because we have such an initiative on the continent and it is an initiative that uh, is, for me, from my eyes, it's very unexpected because uh, uh, we don't have so many countries in Africa working together on that level. I think this also came up even uh, 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 on the panel. But it's extremely difficult to have two, three African countries working together, for example, uh, to create one airline. So I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, and perhaps these, these, these airlines can, can become leaders uh, in that direction uh, to, show, to show the rest uh, the way to go. Africa, uh, and this was also uh, brought up by the Airlink CEO, 
uh, another very well-run airline and becoming one of the most successful airlines on the continent, Airlink, has talked about the fragmentation of the market. The continent has 300 airlines, 300 registered airlines uh, uh, for, for this continent. We might have 1.3 billion odd people, uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's not possible. This is, uh, this is a market that only serves 2% of, of global air traffic. And we have three airlines fighting for that pie. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, we need we need to come together. We need uh, to 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 start creating airline groups that can leverage scale, uh, which is uh, mainly what Simon Newton Smith uh, really uh, uh, hammered on uh, during his panel. Uh, you know, success is built on scale, uh, economies of scale. You know, uh, and you know these partnerships are extremely important. Mm. It will be interesting to see how that plays out because he he talked a lot about Lufthansa, which is obviously an airline I'm very familiar with being just kind of across the road from us. Um, you know, and he said, we're not reinventing the wheel with this tie up with Kenya Airways. We, we are looking at what's happened in Europe and saying, you know, these guys realised 10, 20 years ago, whatever it was, that they were stronger together. And they've all kept their national identity. You know, Swiss is still Swiss and Lufthansa is still very much Germany, etc. But they are working together. And by that, they've managed to not be sidelined by some of the big groups that have come into the market or the other partnerships that have gone on. So, yeah, I'll be really keen to see how that works out for South African Airways as well. Yeah, I think I think that kind of model uh, perhaps is, I think that's why it came up. It is the only model that works for Africa. We are very strong on our national identities and, and still wanting to see those flags on the tail of, of, of our aircraft. So uh, that, that, that is a model that can work for us going forward. There's so many different models even existing already uh, on mm. the continent. But yeah, let's, let's see how that pans out. Absolutely. So towards the end of my panel, I asked the OEMs um, what they thought Africa needed. What was the main thing they thought it needed to realise this incredible aviation potential that nobody denies is there? Um, so Hussein from Embraer picked infrastructure. I thought that was interesting. He said that airports should be an attraction in themselves. Um, he specified, you know, kind of Singapore and what they've done with Changi and Singapore Airlines and how that has really made what Singapore is today. I mean, you could look at Emirates in the same way, like Dubai was just a desert a few decades ago. You know, there was nothing there. And now it's kind of the jewel of the Middle East because of the work that has been done in making that a global airline. Um, so that was one point of view. Jason from Rolls-Royce actually noted some of the issues with financing and the trust in African airlines to maybe repay any debts they take up. He suggested that the perception needs to be cleaned up. I mean, you know, maybe African airlines aren't defaulting on their payments in quite the way that leases or financiers believe they might. Um, so that's kind of a communications issue, I would say. Um, and of course, um, Andy from Airbus uh, came back to the government issue, which we were discussing earlier. Um, he said that governments need to adjust their view of aviation and what it is. You know, they need to realise that aviation can be a feeder for trade and for development, economic strength, um, and to see their investments in their airlines, not as bailing them out, but a real investment into the country. Um, the final point we'll come to in a second, but did you have any thoughts on those three so far? Yeah, and uh, you, you mentioned something uh, extremely important. You mentioned the issue of finance, and we did have a panel on on, on, on finance, and uh, it, was, it was very, very insightful. 
and a few points did come up uh, on on that panel as well you spoke about the perception of africa and and african airlines and and this this uh, uh perception is really affecting their access to finance and african airlines are having to access capital at very very high premiums so uh, uh it becomes very difficult for for organizations on the african continent to access capital which is very important uh for growth for scaling up or whatever you can name uh, uh and so uh, helen from the africa uh, afriexim bank which is the african uh, import export bank uh brought up a good point you know saying that for us uh to to really change that we need uh we need to put this in our own hands we have development banks on the continent we do have the afriexim bank and the afriexim bank is saying you know what they are going to start their own leasing platform uh to serve the african continent i think this is positive news for the african continent uh so uh if the african afrix and bank uh can do this uh, that is a potential solution because uh, african airlines desperately need uh, to lower their costs Mm, absolutely. And the final point um, came from Kuljit from Boeing. Um, and this was a point that kept coming up in discussions throughout the, the few days of the conference. Um, in the, uh, the availability of talent is so key to aviation developing in the way that it potentially can. You know, Boeing, I think in their market outlook, identified a requirement for some 62,000 jobs in aviation in Africa. And that's from, you know, pilots and cabin crew to technicians and ground staff, everything in between. Um, and of course, key to that is the opening up of young minds and giving young people the vision and the opportunity and the impetus to join this industry when they leave school. And I think this gives us a lovely segue into your iFly program, Derek. So tell us a bit about what you're trying to do with this incredible STEM initiative you run. Yes, and uh, that is extremely important, you know, for Africa. Uh, if we're serious about growing the aviation sector, we have to be holistic about it. We have to address uh, every single facet that is going to contribute uh, to its development and human capital is central to that. Uh, so uh, we don't necessarily have any form of strategy uh, on that part. Uh, but there's little organizations here and there that are doing a great job. We spoke about Refueways Girl Fly Program in Africa that is doing an amazing job for girls. Uh, so uh, up the grassroots, uh, 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 the initiatives have to be there to attract the talent. First of all, we need to attract the talent. So my organization, iFly, which is the Fly Academy, uh, is really all about uh, 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 doing that and helping to bridge the gap between the community and the industry. Uh, so the first step towards that really, uh, uh, before you even try and create a new pathway to the industry, is to first of all attract the talent. There's a lot of untapped talent in community, especially the poor communities uh, where people are not exposed uh, to the aviation industry. Uh, you know, the first the first step really for people to get into the, this industry is to actually be aware of it, to actually know that this is an industry for them as well. So they do need those visible role models to 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 come and speak to them and and you know be in their presence. And people need to see like my like people like them, you know, uh, doing and succeeding. Uh, in these spaces. So for us, it's about that, uh, going into, into the communities and uh, exposing uh, this industry, aviation awareness, uh, engaging uh, with all sorts, through all sorts of activities. We've been lucky as well to have some partners, uh, the likes of Rolls-Royce, Embraer, you know, that have helped us along the way. 
uh, especially in kind with, with all sorts of resources. Uh, yeah, but uh, the pathway, and especially in building uh, the, the next generation that is relevant to the future of aviation, the aviation industry is changing. And uh, some of the key things driving this industry, sustainability, you know, uh, we speak about technology, the industry is being driven by technology. So in skilling the young minds and, and preparing them for the industry, we need to instill all these things from the very beginning. Conventionally, uh, uh, you know, uh, young people just, just go to fly school uh, or to a university and just train and, and just consume the knowledge and then get into the industry. Uh, but more and more, the gap is increasing uh, in terms of readiness for the commercial aviation environment of today, which is really so automated uh, for, for everything, for, for the industry, for an industry that has committed to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. We need to have people who are aware, who are very cautious of what is important for the industry to, to, to get to that next level. Uh, so for us, that is what it's about. But to be honest with you, uh, Joanna, it, it is a has to take a concerted effort uh, for, for, for Africa to be able to actually achieve, achieve this in the long term, to be able to build that pipeline of human capital. Uh, people like myself uh, and, and the likes of Refilwe, we can only do so much. We can only take, uh, take these young people a certain step or two. Uh, but the stakeholders in the industry, uh, the wider aviation industry, which is going to absorb this talent eventually, needs to be a part of that process. Government, which is charged as well with, uh, you know, uh, building the human capital anyways, you know, they need to be a part of that process. So those kinds of partnerships are important. We don't always get that support, but we do need it. And obviously, if there's anyone listening to the podcast that can be a part of, of, of that process, that can uh, partner us and can assist us in any way, uh, they should feel free really to get in touch with me as well. Fantastic. Thank you. So just to give us an idea of what sort of things you're delivering, if a, a school or a community group books the iFly Academy to come and do a session with them, what sort of things are the young people learning about there? Yeah, so um, uh, uh, the first thing, first of all, the important thing is to have the professionals right before their eyes. There's so many young people who will wow at seeing an actual pilot in uniform, you know, that alone is something impactful, you know, for, for a young person. And then uh, it's motivational speaking, uh, you know, uh, there's so much that people do not know, you know. So people need to understand. People need to know the path. Of people need to know that, you know, this, these are the choices that you have before you. And this is how you can ch start charting that path, you know. And then engagement, you know. So uh, for us, what we do and uh, what we've always done is try and also bring aviation to the play. For example, schools. We can try and bring aviation to the schools. For example, we go with flight simulators, uh, you know, some computer-based. And uh, we engage with the I mean, these flight simulators, even pilots do use them, you know, uh, in one way or another. So... To, to a very good extent, they, they are a tool for exposing young people uh, to flying. And you can get a, a child to land an aircraft, you know, while, while having a, a nice view of the cockpit, you know, just using a joystick. And that can be exciting, you know, uh, engaging in all sorts of activities, building little planes, paper planes, uh, you know, and uh, 
a wide range of STEM activities. I did not even mention our coding and robotics program that wow. we, 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 we engage young people in and we've got amazing projects that, uh, that young people can build uh, and code, you know, and, and build all sorts of amazing projects. So there's so much to offer. Uh, through Rolls-Royce, uh, we managed to access uh, a project where, uh, it, you know, young people in groups can, can have a project where they build an actual Trent engine, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it's a 3D model Trent engine actually made out of cardboard, but, you know, it's amazing, you know? That's and, really uh, cool. Yeah, and through that process, you get to learn about the power of Trent and, 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 and aero engines and how they function, you know? So those are just some of the projects that, that the engagement is extremely important. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would have loved for this sort of thing to come to my school when I was a, a young girl. I would girl. have loved to be a part of, a part of my own programme as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds you like know? a really worthwhile cause. And, yeah, uh, you is, know, it's I, very fulfilling. Yeah. I can imagine it is. And, uh, you know, all the best of luck with it because, you know, Thank it's you. so important. And, uh, and then what you need to obviously work on is keeping that talent in Africa and not seeing yes, them all disappearing off to exactly. other airlines. Exactly. So I, I didn't even mention that the next step really is to retain this talent. You know, we don't want to see, there's a lot, there's a lot of pilots right now leaving South Africa going to fly for the likes of fly Dubai and, and, and everywhere. So we need to also find ways to retain the talent at the end of the day. That's extremely important. Couldn't agree more. Brilliant. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for today. But Derek, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us this little slice of insight into African aviation. Um, I wish you all the best with the iFly program and, of course, with Airspace Africa. Um, if you're interested in chatting to Derek, you can drop us a line and we'll put you in touch or, you know, just Google him. He's uh, everywhere, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And if you want to uh, catch up with the latest African aviation news, just type Airspace Africa or go to airspace-africa.com. Thank you so Perfect. much, Joanna, for having me. It's been good fun. It's been an absolute delight. And for more great content on not just African aviation, but, you know, everywhere else as well, <laughs> please do visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. And as usual, if you enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.